As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a trio of feathery brethren, weather in any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's Top with Cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bo Sheel, and Zach kicking it. Cooler than three penguins till Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some Birds with Friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo Sheel and Zach coming at you with steps and things like their wings on. How do you have time to consume all this content? You're listening to Dave Spadaro interviews. I, I take a morning bike ride and I listen to Oh, oh I want to hear more it about is. that, but go ahead. No, the Schuylkill Trail. I, I oh, really? Oh, wow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to your post game Birds with Friends following the Eagles' 38 29 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. An offensive explosion for the Seagulls team, but a disappointing defensive performance. This was really, in many ways, the deliverance of Zach Berman week. You had a 74-yard touchdown run by Miles Sanders in his return to Pittsburgh. You had Travis Fulgham breaking out with 10 catches for 152 yards and one touchdown. An unbelievable performance an emerging number one receiver for the Eagles, Travis Fulgham, who was discovered, of course, by Zach Berman. Zach, take a whiff. What a week it was for you. Uh, there's there's no whiff to take. I was simply writing the story that was in front of us. Uh, it is interesting to note, though, through five games, Travis Fulgham is now the Eagles' leading receiver, I believe. I'm sure it's not even close. I mean, the, the, the performance, we can get to it, but like... Um, that level of performance is is very rarely a fluke, um, and if 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 Travis Fulgham is for real, then that sort of changes the entire identity and upside of of this Eagles offense. So yes, uh, we'll but get to that. It, we will get to Go it. I, I just want to say, like the Eagles front office or coaching staff doesn't deserve this parade for finding Travis Fulgham. You know, they they oh, they, totally they like backdoored their way into him essentially. I know yeah. it would be very it would be very un, like unearned if they if they if Travis Fulgham turns into turns out to be like you know a legitimate uh, top two receiver in the NFL they they did not earn that but you know you take as many shots as you can and this is like 
this is the same reason. It's all part of the same problem of like, why do they keep bringing back all of these uh, guys who have been here before? You know, your Richard Rogers is all these guys because their their pro personnel department on these guys on the fringes are, is actually pretty good. Like, you know, Cravon LeBlanc is a guy they found that way. Travis Fulgham now, like they do a good job when they're just churning the bottom of the roster and sometimes they hit. That's why you, sh- you should be taking more of those hits instead of bringing back guys who you already know stink. But uh, that's a separate point. But I think the big thing we should lead with, Zach, is, uh, you know, the Eagles lose this game. They fall to one and th- one, three and one. They fall out of first place. But all of a sudden, uh, the entire NFC's picture has totally changed. I mean, uh, we knew that this division was bad. And that, you know, six or seven wins might still take the division. But now with Dak Prescott out for uh, at least a long amount of time as he is set to undergo ankle surgery. I don't know if it's officially season ending or not. But, uh, you know, this division is absolutely there for the Eagles taking. Sure. And it, it was before the game. And obviously the the lack of or or, or Dak Prescott's injury changes the way you might view the Cowboys. You don't you don't agree with uh, Tony Dungy, do you, that this might be a good thing for the Cowboys, <laughs> that they're going to have to go back to their running game? I mean, first off, you feel awful for Dak Prescott. Like that, Absolutely. that's was such a gruesome injury to watch. Um, and and has, has, been, has, has been playing, obviously, at a very high level. Now, you talk about back— I don't back- think it changes his market, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously don't know enough about the injury at, at yeah, this point. Yeah, I guess it depends if it's, uh, as they say, if it's a nerve injury or not. But but uh, but as as far as backup quarterbacks go, Andy Dalton is probably one of the better ones in the league. Uh, that being said, he's he's not Dak Prescott, and and we knew going into the game that the Cowboys did have some issues on defense, as it, as it already is. Those issues weren't fixed against the Giants from certainly from at least looking at the score. So the, yeah, this division is wide open, even with the Eagles at, at one three and one, even with the Ravens ahead of them next week. Like they could lose that game, and there's still the it's it's not a stretch to say the NFC East champion might have like six or seven wins this year. Um, so well, actually, so six might be before, low. But um, twice before, uh, a, a team under five hundred has won a division. Right there was the there was a seven eight and one team and a seven and nine team. That seven and nine Seahawks team. Uh, was it was the seven eight one team also a Seahawks? It might have been. Um, either way, I think there's I like I really do think the Eagles if they go six nine and one, I think that I think that might take the division. And it's 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 certainly why the season will remain compelling for Eagles fans, even while it, it might be so aggravating to watch at times. Uh, they're they're well, that's they're the going to be right? in the thick it, of it. Is it, is it worth it? Like. Long term for the Eagles, is it worth it to win this division at call it seven, eight, and one, or you know would it be better if they go uh, call it you know five, ten, and one, and you know the Cowboys win the division and that that causes more structural change? I think I think I would lean towards it's worth it to win the division one because you never know what happens, two because you're watching anyway, you might as well uh, try to try try to get into the playoffs and see what happens, and three because I would hope. That Jeffrey Lurie is at le- is watching this eyes wide open, and even if they do eke out a you know very unimpressive division victory, he would recognize that that those changes are are required anyway. Exactly, you took the words out of my mouth. It it is it's always better to make the playoffs, obviously, to, to get yourselves in 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 the tournament 
and then see what happens. But you can't be delusional about your team. You know, you, you need to recognize what's happening and, and deal from an ob- objective position in reality as opposed to saying, well, we won the NFC East and we made the playoffs three years in a row, if if or, or, or four years in a row, rather, if that does in fact happen. So so we'll see, but, but certainly I, I can't see a situation where they're not playing meaningful football, at least going into December. Eagles, so we, you, you mentioned they've got the Ravens up next. I mean, that's just that, – that's a loss right there. That Pen that in for a loss. The Eagles have basically no chance in that game. Uh, then they play – they come back Thursday night to play the Giants. And then right after that is Sunday, November 1st, just a couple days after the Baby Wolf due date, prime time against the Dallas Cowboys at Lincoln Financial Field. Then they hit their bye. Then it's back to the Giants at Cleveland, home against the Seahawks. And then you get into uh, the end of the schedule, which is a little bit difficult as well. And how about the Cowboys? Let's dial this up. They have next week. They are... Home against the Cardinals on Monday Night Football. Then they go to Washington. Then they come to the Eagles. Then they play the Steelers at home. And then they get their bye week. So we'll see what happens. And and the Dalton thing is interesting because it is, uh, you know, the the dichotomy of the way that these, these two teams approach their backup quarterback position. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton signs for $3 million now. He, by all accounts, took a bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a lowball offer to go to the Cowboys. It's not like he would have signed with the Eagles for four million dollars, but uh, the Eagles, in what was the most saturated market for veteran quarterbacks in some time, instead chose to use a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts, and the Cowboys signed Andy Dalton for three million dollars, and they're probably getting more bang for their buck than than the Eagles are. Exactly. But you know, uh, Jalen Hurts completed one pass today, so. Yeah, I mean, you, you you do want to take the long view, but certainly there's an opportunity cost with that second-round pick, number one, and you are correct. Andy Dalton, that that offer might not have – it probably is not accepted by a team that's not his hometown. Like, that's literally the hometown discount. But there were, like you said, there were other veteran quarterbacks on the on the market. There were there were more James quarterbacks Winston, than chairs. Exactly. Um, so – so yeah, so so we'll see uh, we'll see what happens with the Cowboys, but the Eagles obviously have their own problems to fix as well. They do. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about this game because that's what we're here to do. Um, you know, by all accounts, I think, or at least by my eyes, this was this was an encouraging performance. You know, I don't I don't necessarily believe in uh, uh, what would you call it? You know, moral victories. But I thought this was offensively, for sure, the best game the Eagles have played all season. And I just don't, like, I'm not I'm not as worried about the defensive performance. Like, I think the defensive line had a down game, but, uh, you know, the Steelers made a, an emphasis of getting the ball out quickly, and the defensive line is still very good and is going to be impactful. Um, but there were some, uh, you know, there were some unforced errors by this team, and you're not going to beat the Steelers. Uh, on the road when you have this many unforced errors, whether it's, you know, John Hightower not going out of bounds at the end of the first half, whether it's Cravon LeBlanc missing a tackle on third on third down. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the play that really decided the game. And, and I know that you wrote about this, Zach, so, so let's talk about it now. But um, after what looked like maybe a fumble by Eric Ebron was reversed, third and 
nine turns into third and four, and the Steelers match up Chase Claypool, who had already scored three touchdowns on the day, inside against Nate Gary in quarters coverage. And that is not uh, the kind of thing you want if you were the Eagles defense, and it turned out about as well as you would have expected. Yeah, a, a lot to dissect here. First of all, this is a package that, that the Steelers haven't run yet this season, okay? And, and what's interesting about it, so that so they had four receivers and one tight end, but the tight end was split wide. So Eric Ebron split wide, and so Craig James is over top of, of Eric Ebron out out wide, and then Chase Claypool is closest to the formation, and, and Nate Gary is on Claypool. So you know immediately if you're the offense that it's not man coverage. Yeah, um, and ideally you would like this to look a little different. So the Eagles did have have, have timeouts at their disposal. Um, they did not elect to call a timeout. Ben Roethlisberger changed the play at the line of scrimmage. Roethlisberger said that. Rodney McLeod said that. Uh, it was clear based on the comments after the game that they saw this matchup. Okay, okay. And, and and like you said, it's quarters coverage, so it's it's not... It's it's not man to man. It's it's not as if Gary is on Claypool, but you do have Nate Gary covering Chase Claypool at the line there, and uh, yeah, like, yeah, that's he's 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 responsible for it. exactly he's, exactly. So you know, I it's important to make that distinction because it's 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 zone versus man. But I think you put it well. He's responsible for him, uh, and Claypool just runs right by him. Now Roddy McLeod is so the Eagles had had uh, two deep safeties. And Roddy McLeod, um, he went after Juju Smith-Schuster. I guess he thought Smith-Schuster was going to run vertical. Smith-Schuster cuts to the left. And then once Smith-Schuster cuts to the left, that's when McLeod adjusted and, and, and tried to help on Claypool. By that point, it was it was too late. Bottom line is, is Claypool just ran right by Nate Gary, was wide open in the, in the middle of the field. Uh, there's a lot of blame to go uh, to go around here. Frankly, I put it most on Jim Schwartz. Uh, and and tell me no if, if you disagree. Oh, okay, yeah, because the way I see it is this was a bad call by a defensive coordinator against a veteran quarterback who recognized it right away. And uh, like in Roethlisberger's comments after the game, he was essentially saying that that he had to make sure Chase Claypool knew what to do because they've never had Chase Claypool run that route on that play. They were expecting the Eagles to come in with a blitz. They wanted to throw something quick. When they saw that coverage, they adjusted. Yeah, I think I think you said that well. That's exactly what Roethlisberger said. Claypool has uh, seven catches for 110 yards and three touchdowns to go along with uh, six yards rushing and a touchdown rushing. Um, yeah, I mean, this after the game, it sounded to me like Rodney McLeod was not happy with the you know the decision to call that play defensively the way that he was talking about it um you know he said they had gone they had gone man on the previous two downs they decided to go zone there and that was the difference in the game they they sort of live with it uh ben recognizing things at the line but reading between the lines and the way he was talking tell me if you got the same impression i i didn't think that he was happy with uh that defensive play call uh yeah i mean i i can't imagine that he was i don't know if i took it explicitly like that but he he did he did make clear like that was the call against Ben and they had to live with it or, or, or Ben saw it and we have to live with the play. That's what, that's what McLeod said. And he, he did note two plays earlier, they were in man and they changed the zone for that play. Now 
that being said, I, I mean, the the Steelers were, what, 11 of 15 on third downs in the game. A big part of that was because Roethlisberger was just eating up the Eagles' man coverage, you know? Um, and getting rid of the ball quickly. He didn't, he didn't throw a single incompletion. Yeah, so, on so, so that was that was such a big part of the game too. So perhaps Schwartz looked at it like nothing's working on, on third down. We need to do something different here. But I just don't know how, you know, a Jim Schwartz always says to us, and I, I wrote this in my story, you know, he, he's, he's coy when discussing game strategy. He often implies that there's more to a play than what the public sees. Uh, but it, it doesn't take working for Bill Belichick or three decades behind closed doors in these, in these NFL meeting rooms to know that's that's not a matchup you want, and so I. And I when just, Cloud said, "I, I, you know, ideally, do we do we want Nate Gary on a wide receiver?" No. Yeah. <laughs> he said that was the I call mean, that was made defensively. Yeah. And they checked to a good play. Exactly. So I I looked at this and I. And the other thing is there are you know Jim Schwartz has said whether it was on the record or like just a sound from the sideline like in the Super Bowl he said before that he's approached things where. Uh, you know, you you go for it. You, you like you, you try to make a play because either you get the stop or they score a touchdown and you get the ball back. This was not one of those scenarios. No. You know, they were they were down two points. A touchdown ends the game. Exactly. So you cannot get beat deep there. Exactly. But what you want to do, if anything, is you just want to hold them to a field goal. Like that's that's right. Your and hopefully you get another chance. And it's funny, uh, uh, Fran Duffy and uh, Greg Cosell talk about this on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. You look around the league and every big play. Like seventy five percent of them are coming in quarters coverage. That's a good point. I, I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, it, it it was it was just a a bad play at a bad time for the Eagles. It I don't think it it, it can be explained away. Doug Peterson was asked three times about this. Uh, twice he said he just he, he needs to see the tape. He said that he's not making when any sense when at the all. question like, yeah but Jim Schwartz isn't up there Doug Peterson's the head coach and the yeah, questions were true. not about the result of the play the questions were about the in, intent of the play you know you don't need to watch the film to know the intent of the play although like you said he's he's not the one making the calls there i mean it's it was just it, it was such a costly play and i've said before how these these uh these rookie quarterbacks often struggle against Jim Schwartz's defense. The inverse is true against these real seasoned quarterbacks. Like we've mm, seen it that's a good point. time and time again, these veteran quarterbacks just pick apart Schwartz's defense. And except I, I, for Eli, <laughs> that's true. Except for Eli, um, and uh, I mean, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a survivorship bias, right? Because sure. If you're playing the, that long, the quarterbacks who last that long are good to begin with. Well, but. the flip side though is like is like Ryan Fitzpatrick has yeah, that's true. You know, uh, when he was on Miami, when he was on Tampa Bay, played really well against this defense, uh, and I, I think it's it's because it doesn't it doesn't confuse them, right? So yeah, so much of I this is about true. being aggressive. If you if you're not a deer in the headlights type quarterback, if you know how to get rid of the ball quickly, if you know where the pressure is coming, then uh, then it's it's obviously it's it's not a complicated scheme to uh, to to uh, go against. I say that having never played a quarterback in the NFL, <laughs> but uh, that's at least my interpretation on it. Well, if we work backwards uh, from that end of the game. I actually thought, you know, they lost this game not on that play, 
And I think they lost this game when they sort of settled for that long field goal, uh, that 57-yarder that Jake Elliott missed it and, you know, missed right, had enough leg. But even if Jake Elliott makes that field goal, they're going to lose that game. I don't even like I don't even I don't even doubt that for a second. Uh, you know, the Steelers go down. All I do. All I need to do is kick a field goal and they win the game. Uh, I thought I thought after the, they get the one turnover they've been waiting for mm-hmm. all game long, they have the ball down two points with just over three minutes left. That's your chance to go on a, you know, 2017 vintage, uh, you know, game ending drive. Right. And they just, as they sort of did in that Bengals game, it's a, it was a little bit of a different situation, but they sort of settle for this long field goal. I thought they should have either gone for it on fourth and five or, you know, also just been more aggressive with those uh, play calls prior. It's a, it's a bit of a thing that we've started to see from Doug where, uh, and this is a, you know, a, a, a failing of coaches all across the league, just pretending that, you know, a 50 yard field goal is good as like just good. Uh, I thought he should have been more aggressive. I thought that was their chance to go win the game, and that's when they failed. So you, so you texted me that, and I had a, a different read on that than, than than you did. And I even went back and looked at it. Now, if you want to make the argument that he should have gone for the fourth and five because a touchdown is 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 what you want there, I can certainly understand Not that argument. Not just a touchdown, but keeping the ball. Sure, all right, all right, all right. That's that's fair. I don't think the play calls were. We're on aggressive. I, I mean, or no, that's true. Like, like the yeah. first and ten, Carson Wentz is sacked. All right, you, that's a bad sack in that spot. But yeah, but 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 that's a passing play there. Then they get eight I yards. About that sack, yeah. They get eight yards by uh, Miles Sanders uh, on a on a pass, and that yeah. And, then they go to and, and, on the slide. Yeah, and that brings them third and five. And it's it's not like they ran the ball that's on third fair. and five to set the field goal. They they tried getting the first. And it was a a fine play. It was good coverage by Hayden. It, w- it would have been a tough catch by Fulgham, um, but yeah. I, I and and then you get to the fifty seven yard field goal, and it should be noted that that would have been. They said this on the on the telecast. That would have been the longest field goal in Heinz Field history. Yeah. Uh, which that's interesting, and I do a know. Notoriously difficult. It, yes, exactly, and notoriously difficult. And so maybe fourth and five there, you do go for. Yeah, it. I think you go there. Okay. That part, I, I, I'm willing to listen to the argument there, and it would, it certainly would be a good argument. I well, don't I think, think you Doug also call the play. Plays. I think you also call the play on third down, knowing that it's four down territory for you. So you're trying to set up like a fourth and two, fourth. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm not saying you run, and yeah, it was a fine play call. You know, you're going to Fulgham, who hasn't yeah. been stopped all game long, and Hayden isn't. It has nice coverage, but um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just not. I'm not kicking that 57 yarder. I, I, don't, I didn't like that. Okay, that's fair. And, Doug, and that was actually the first question to Doug Peterson. And he said it was well within Jake Elliott's range. Well, I mean, it was within his range. He, he hit it far enough. It had the distance. It just it, you know, wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's zoom back out then after uh, going back through that. Uh, I guess, I guess let's, let's talk Wentz. And, you know, I thought this was, you know, by far his best, game of the season he finished uh just 20 of 35 for 258 yards he was sacked five times uh, two touchdowns and two interceptions and both of those interceptions were a little bit a little bit wonky the first one came when uh, Zach Ertz got sort of bumped and then didn't continue his route that was uh, sort of unfortunate and then the other one was a bit of an arm punt on the last possession of the game uh, which was silly that they even caught it but uh 
I thought that the presence of Fulgham and like the establishment of him as a go-to receiver for Wentz made Wentz look so much more comfortable than he has all season long. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And clearly, as Fulgham was hot, he was unafraid to throw him the ball. And you put and it's it well. Funny, somebody, a, a friend of mine, texted like it was it was after like the first catch that Fulgham had that you could tell that Wentz was willing to throw him the ball. And it's like the bar is so low for a receiver to become his his favorite receiver right now. Exactly. Uh, so I I do agree with you there, and I think you said it on a podcast. It might have been last week that that or or no, it was a few weeks ago about JJ that the sure sign of a wide receiver in this offense is 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 Carson like confident in them is he willing to target that's what them? they need yeah like a guy who's who Carson is willing to throw the ball to and and so Carson Wentz had 258 passing yards 152 of them were Travis Fulgham he had mm. 20 completions uh 10 of them were Travis Fulgham that that goes to show you well it, it says a lot of things it, it says first off the game Fulgham played second it's it probably speaks to the game Zach Ertz played and third and and I I did touch on this it's it's the way they've assembled this receiving core, it's such a problem, and especially when you compare it to the team on the other side of the field and you look at receivers around the league. Uh, but we don't need to get in, 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 into that discussion now. I just think it's such roster mismanagement that for the second game in a row, your starting receivers are Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, and John Hightower. Well, do you think Fulgham's for real? Uh, yes. I mean, I think he's for real in the sense that he's a, he's, he needs to be a rotational receiver for them. And this, this very well could be like what Miles Austin became for the Cowboys or what Victor Cruz became for the Giants, mm-hmm. where these, these guys who just kind of came out of nowhere and, t- and turned into major contributors. I certainly think that when this group is healthy, Fulgham needs to be on the field. Now, whether that's in Alshon's place and Alshon is a bit receiver or whether that is, you know, Deshaun's rotating with Jalen Rager. But with the, with the way Fulgham played today, I agree with what you said at the top of the show. I don't think that's a fluke. I don't think, obviously, you can expect this type of line. But I, I certainly think that what you're looking for from a, a receiver like him, willing to make contested catches, goes up and gets the ball, those are all things that he's exhibited so far. Well, I, I I wrote in giving him the game ball on the day after. I mean, this was this performance from Fulgham was like what you would hope in a million years JJ exactly. Ortega Whiteside was going to be as a second round pick, right? Like this is what he delivered. You're absolutely. Let me read you the. These are the. Uh, I'm going to just quickly go through this list. Fifty five different games of 150 yards receiving since 2000 by a wide receiver. 25 years or younger okay mm-hmm. and there are not a lot of there are not a lot of flukes in here so i'll go quickly through it randy moss peerless price anquan bolden lavernius coles david boston steve smith reggie wayne javon walker andre johnson larry fitzgerald bolden again johnson again some more repeats roy williams lee evans bit of a fluke uh larry fitzgerald again brandon marshall mario manningham there's a fluke Miles Austin, Brandon Marshall. Here's the other big fluke. Austin Collie did it twice. Then Jeremy Macklin, Hakeem Nix, Victor Cruz. The last fluke is Brian Hartline. Then you get to Julio Jones, Alshon Jeffrey, Josh Gordon, Des Bryant, Julio Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Odell, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Michael Thomas, Keenan Allen, 
Traquan Smith, that's the last fluke, sorry. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chris Godwin, Will Fuller, Tyreek, that's, and that's all of them. So, I mean, it's it's an interesting list for him to be on. I think there's a good, you know, there's there's probably a, you know, 60% chance that Steelers fans look back on this game as, like, Eagles fans look back on the Kenny Britt game. Like, I can't believe this guy beat us for, for that much, but... There's at least a there's at least a real chance that Travis Fulgham is something real for the Eagles, and that that would be so enormous for them. Absolutely, and I, I think it's just so important to Carson Wentz because he's been it's last year, this year, it's it's like such it's such labor for him to 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 get these guys open, and that pass to John Hightower today, and that that was a good pass, and put that in the spot. Yeah, he's well. It was funny because it hits him. It goes right through exactly. his hands, and then and then Vilma, Jonathan Vilma goes. That's just good defense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. So so I yeah. So it's it's certainly it's it's so welcome to. This I also offense. thought that he, he even though he laid out for it, um, it seemed to me like Hightower should have made that other play that um, that play down the field when Wentz threw it up high. It seemed like he didn't track it well enough. And I also you thought on the on, yeah uh, uh, vaguely, but I, I thought the last In the interception first too. He he didn't make much of a play on the ball there either. Yeah, I'm gonna give you a two can you mm-hmm. on your uh, your time covering the Eagles. Okay, twelve different 150 yard plus receiving games during your time covering the Eagles before today. How many of them do you think you can make? <laughs> 150 plus. Yes. All right, that's hard. Um, Only three of them, I will tell you, have come under Doug Peterson. So there was there was Jeremy Mack on against Houston. Which they talked That's about on the, on the show on the game today. There was Deshaun Jackson week one last year. That's correct. There was Deshaun Jackson against uh, Minnesota in 2013. That, Very nice. That was when he bickered with uh, Bob Bicknell on the sideline. Oh, interesting. Um, so three of them have have come under Doug Peterson. I believe uh, Zach Ertz has one of those. Correct. He does. Yes. Do you know what? Do you know when that was? Uh there was like a. Double digit catch one hundred. Um, I'm guessing Washington or the Giants. No, the Giants, Giants. in 2016. Okay, I think the last game of the season. Okay, uh, so then there's one of them. I will tell you the other. The other Doug Peterson game is a game um, that is memorable for an, uh, a different reason. It's memorable for a different reason. One of the most. One of the most memorable. Games in Peter in Doug Peterson regular season history. My brain's fried right now. Ah, uh, actually, I'm wrong. This okay. is incorrect. I'm thinking I, I I have the year wrong. So that's disregard that entirely. Uh, does Does Nelson Aguilar have one? <laughs> Nelson Aguilar does not. Okay. Uh, so I I already said Ertz. Uh, I already said Deshaun. Does Alshon have one? He does have one, yes. Oh, was it uh, was it Minnesota? Mm, no, no. no. Um, it was against the Rams in 2018. Yes, Nick Foles. That's right. The Nick Foles game. That's yes. right. Okay, okay, I do remember that. And then, so so, how many more do I need? You've probably got seven more. All right. Uh, I'll just. You don't have to name them all, but see if you can name. There are three players who have one who you haven't named yet. Riley Cooper. No. No. Okay. Thank God. Thank goodness. <laughs> I I uh I said Macklin said to Sean since since 2012 so since I covered the mm-hmm. team 
Deshaun has two more. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was, I believe, this is the Nick Foles seven touchdown game. Okay, Oakland against Oakland. Yeah, two thousand thirteen. And he also he also had one against the Chargers that year when they lost. Yeah, that was week two. Okay, nine for one ninety three and a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, and Macklin also has two others. Once at Arizona, Arizona yep, when he flipped over the uh, water table, I mm. yep, and once uh, home against Washington. I think that was the that was the Jason Peters uh, fight game. Jason Peters fight game. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Okay, uh, there are two, so there are two more players. No, three more players who have one each. Three more players that have one each. Only one of them is a wide receiver. So Darren Sproles, I'm guessing. That's correct. And. That was was that the Colts game? Wow, that's a fantastic okay. game. Uh, yeah, it was a week two game. When, that's a fantastic when guess. Sproles and Jenkins both had big plays in 2014, and I think yeah, I Monday think night. yeah, and and Connor Bar yeah, they won on a Cody Parkey field goal. I, I believe bar- that's right. I barely re- I think I was doing the post game show for that game. And, I, yeah, yeah. Barwin right. tweeted, "Thank you, New Orleans." And then uh, <laughs> that's good. And then does does Brent Selick have one? He does in 2012. Okay. Another early season game. Uh, I don't. I remember one thing about this game. This was a home game win over the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. I remember. I believe Brandon Boykin had a pick. Okay. I I, I remember being early in the season. Hmm. Obviously, because they they lost later in the season. Uh, does uh does Lashawn have and one? Then we already talked about Deshaun. No, no, Lashawn. Oh, Lashawn. No, he does not. So there's one other non-receiver. There's, no, no. This is a, this is a receiver. This okay. is the other receiver. This is the other. This receiver. is this is must have been. I don't even remember. I don't think I was there for this game. Uh, this is a just a, a looks like a, a a padding the stats game in a blowout loss. Jason Avant. No, yeah. Jordan Matthews in 2015 against the Arizona Cardinals. They lost 40 yes. to 17. That was a big David Johnson game. I remember mm. that one. Okay. All right. A peek into the mind of ZB. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, on uh, if we did this at one o'clock today, I would have done much better. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I think you still did pretty well. Um. Okay. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What'd you I think of the third on, down defense, though? I, I, I well, let's stick we, with let's stick with the okay. offense first. Sorry, not to uh, no problem, not to traffic cop you, but uh, let's stick on the offense. The offensive line, even though Wentz was sacked five times, I thought they held up in pass protection. They held up pretty well. Yeah, for the most part, I I would agree with that. I, I, I mean, as there well were as you'd times. Expect. Were, I mean, there was a, we were worried this game could be a disaster. Yes. 
I mean, Wentz held on to the ball uh, at least two of those sacks. I, I thought too long when he he could have got rid of the ball. Right, and then there, you know, one of them came on that last possession when Dupree finally got Mylotta for the first time. I thought Mylotta was pretty. You know, I, I, I don't have to rewatch, but live at least in pass protection, I thought he held up fine. This Lane Johnson thing's a concern. Well, yeah, but this is exactly what they're asking for. Like, give him a couple weeks off. I just don't believe that it's not going to affect him. It's but. just, so to give people a, a little timeline here, the last podcast, we this was Friday morning or, or Friday midday, we spoke about how Lane said that after the surgery, he, he, he thought it was going to be cleaned out. He, he, he did not think there was there was going to be an, an a, a, I guess more of an issue here. And then we spoke to him Friday afternoon, and he mentioned that last Monday he got a cyst drained, got six cc's of fluid drained from the cyst, and that was gross. what was causing the problem. And that that's the grossest thing that's ever been said <laughs> on this podcast. And that it, it it's it's going to be fixed. Clearly, it's still an issue here. So. There for most of the game, or, or or not most of the game, because he left in what the third quarter. Uh, for the fourth quarter, they were playing with only one of their original starters. Right. Yeah, you had you had Mylotta Herbig on the left side, Kelsey in the middle, and then Pryor Driscoll on the right side. So yeah, they made do. Um, and then the running game struggled again. You know, they had the seventy-four yard cowards draw touchdown which uh, you know may end up biting them in the end because it'll incentivize more cowards' draws. But what a run it was by Miles Sanders. And what blocking downfield by J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Easily the best play of his career as a second-round pick. He, he did block well, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Are you worried about the running game, Zach? Well, Doug didn't go to it very often. And the passing game was yeah, they working They only there. run the ball 16 times. It, and on the, on the non you know, other than that touchdown, the 74-yard touchdown, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott combined for 10 carries for nine yards. Yeah, so, look, that's a good run defense, but certainly I, I thought they could have gotten Miles Sanders more involved. He he had 13 touches today. He needs more than 13 touches. He had four targets in the passing game, two catches, then 11 rushes, like you said. So they, they need to get him the ball more, whether it's in the screen yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, say or, what you will about Fulgham, but but uh, Sanders is their best player on offense. He needs, like, you know, as in terms of with the ball in his hands, exactly. he needs the ball more. Exactly. So so whether it's it's 15 carries and, like, five to seven targets, how, however you want to split it up, you need to get Miles Sanders the ball. Because like you saw on, on that third down run, I understand what you're saying about a, a, a coward's draw, but you put the ball in his hands – and he made something happen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, this game was very poorly officiated. Yeah, for like, both sides, and there were a lot Throughout. of empty flags. The, the the offensive pass or the the defensive pass interference on Darius Slay that set up the Steelers' first touchdown was totally Garbanzo beans. There was an OPI on Chase Claypool that was totally Garbanzo beans, and the broadcast was even worse than the than the refs. We couldn't see a freaking replay of of these of these penalties all game long. What's going on? There's the Malik Jackson uh, roughing thing that they don't show. There's the face mask on Brandon, Brandon Graham. Graham. What's going on? You're absolutely right. You're a bad team. You get a bad crew. Yeah, I mean that the, the yeah. The, now there were there were too many penalties. Although I will say 
So the uh, third downs came up a, a lot after the game, and Doug Peterson blamed it on penalties. There was only, from my count, uh, there was only one penalty that that extended a, a drive on third down, and that was Fletcher Cox's offsides. Outside right. of that, there were no penalties that that kept them on the field on third downs. Yeah, that's such weak sauce by Doug. Yeah, so I, coaches always love pointing to penalties. It, like, give me a break. Exactly. So, but but I I do think the penalties were a problem. Now there was a pass interference on Darius Slay that I did not think was a pass interference. Now the flip side to that is Chase Claypool got called for an offensive pass interference that I thought I just was a soft that. call. Yeah. Are you pulling a shield on me? No, no, no. I'm I was talking about the 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 just how they how they how they both went back and forth. Yeah, but yeah. I just said that. Yes. Are you Latin, are you pulling a shield and not listening? No, are you are you, are you checking Miles Sanders Instagram again? <laughs> I am I am I am listening. I I'm I'm looking at the play by play in front of me to try to make sure okay. I was correct there. Yeah. But no, you are right. And you talked about <laughs> you talked about how the uh, broadcast that. did not show the Malik Jackson play, and the broadcast did not show the Brandon Grant play. You're correct about that as well. Okay. All right. Let's get to your third down defense that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I mean it's it was horrible. Eleven of fifteen, the Eagles came into the game sixth, I believe, in third down defense. Uh, now they only had one sack, and that's a big part of that too. I mean, we always hear these coaches say that uh, sacks are overrated and that that uh, it's a, it's about pressure. I can tell you, sacks are not overrated because sacks are underrated. Yeah, a third down sack gets you off the field. Everybody's always talking about pressure rates. Sack or, sacks, especially as a team. Yep. Like sacks, there's such a big difference between actually sacking a guy. Exactly. And and you know he gets the ball out. So 11 of 15 today, uh, they ex- extended drives here. I'm trying to pull it up in f- in front of me that on – here, I'm sorry here. Uh, okay, so the first scoring drive, Pittsburgh converted three third downs. Their second scoring drive, they converted two third downs, including a third and eleven. Uh, that that just goes to show you they they need to get off the field. I thought that was a major problem. I also thought a big problem was the misdirection runs. Uh, the Steelers oh, had that this keeps happening. That, they had a 58 yard run by Ray Ray McLeod. Chase Claypool scored a touchdown on on a, on a run. The Eagles have had three rushing touchdowns by wide receivers against them this season. Uh, Pittsburgh's wide receivers only had two runs in the first three games. They had five runs today. So that goes to show you that this is something that they clearly saw in the Eagles, and it's it's not necessarily limited to Pittsburgh. Um, six no of, doubt. Yeah, six of the Rams' 12 rushes by wide receivers entering today's game uh, were against the Eagles' defense. So this is, I don't know if it's it's the ends playing too aggressive, but I, I did see that Chris Long said on Twitter that the defensive end is not responsible for for that misdirection play. Uh, now maybe it's it's they're trying to take advantage of the Eagles linebackers and that because that's that's bad personnel. But I think you're going to continue seeing this week in week out. I think there's no doubt about that. Um, it is definitely something that has been identified. I mean, two of the three longest runs they've given up all year yep. were were to wide receivers. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I had something to say and then I forgot what it was, but 
We would press on nevertheless. Uh, yeah, the defensive line, it, it, they came out strong. It seemed like this was going to be a day, another day like last week in which they would be, uh, you know, in Ben Roethlisberger's face all game. And then they just sort of disappeared. Uh, I think the Steelers had five consecutive drives in the middle of this game in which they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. And uh, part of it is those third down conversions. But but they're just, you know, the, the this Eagles defense, and we talked about it coming into the game, like they need their defensive line to be yeah. dominant for it to be a good defensive performance. And they just, they weren't dominant. They weren't even that impactful in this game. So you, you credit Roethlisberger for getting the ball out quickly. Um, but that's that's not a formula for the Eagles to win. They obviously can't rely on coverage the way they are they are presently constructed. They need the defensive line to dominate. You're absolutely right. It's the way this defense is built. And the other thing to watch, too, is Darius Slay left the game in the fourth quarter. So you talked about coverage. It's the third time he's left a game in the middle of a game. Yeah, year. So and he did not return to this one. Uh, so we'll have to see what comes out of that injury. But that's obviously a big one to monitor. Uh, but you're absolutely correct about the defensive line. And the first guy who's like beating him one-on-one all year long, Chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. Picked uh, three in, ahead of uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, I think that's right. Yeah, and, and his— And, of course, I've always you know, spoken highly of Chase Claypool. <laughs> but but his, his big day does—I think it does bring to attention the Eagles' offseason and the rookie receivers that are really contributing this year. He's obviously one of them. Justin Jefferson entered this. He entered Sunday, I think, ninth in the NFL in receiving yards. You see CeeDee Lamb making a big impact. Um, that, But uh, the other thing, too, is that three of the top seven receivers in the NFL entering Sunday's game uh, changed teams this offseason. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Stephen Diggs, and Robbie Anderson. And mm, That's a good stat. And, I, and, and then... You know, so you saw Chase Claypool have a big day. Another stat, uh, and I looked this up during the game. So Chase, so Chase Claypool had three Flex. had three receiving touchdowns today. Four touchdowns overall, three, three receiving touchdowns. If you saw this tweet, Bo, um, just just tell me, and I, I I I won't ask you. But do you know how many rookie receiving touchdowns the Eagles have, or or, or how many receiving touchdowns the Eagles have from rookie wide receivers in the Doug Peterson era? In the Doug Peterson era, um, I'm going to guess there was one from Matt Collins in 2017. And that's probably it, right? And then J.J. last year had one. J.J. had one. So two. Okay. And obviously this doesn't include first-year players like what 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 Greg Ward like was Fulgham. considered. Uh, Dallas Goddard's a tight end. You know, Miles Sanders is, is, is a running back. I'm talking wide receiver. And I, I just bring this up. Because we talked about Fulgham, and I'll give the Eagles credit in bringing Fulgham in. Although I'm not gonna, as I said, like you, they they don't deserve this this parade for honor, for because it, it it took them time. But I can't emphasize enough the mismanagement of the wide receiver position. Just because, and we talked about this on multiple podcasts throughout the offseason. It's there all were, we talked about. Yeah. It's all we've talked about for a year and a half. The way there is how the, the Eagles need to fix their wide receiver position. Relying on Deshaun Jackson was such a mistake. It, it was it's like they're just they're seduced by him. And Well, I don't think that they I think this offseason I don't think they were were relying on Deshaun Jackson as much as they were relying on the first round pick. 
um, their decision was, I don't think their decision was, we know we have Deshaun, he's going to be great. Their decision was, we think this is a good receiver class. Carson Wentz uh, looked good playing with young receivers. We're going to build it that way. And I, I, we talked about it at the time. I hated the way they went about that because they boxed themselves into needing to, to pick that position in the first round. They didn't give themselves optionality by signing a guy like Robbie Anderson for a very reasonable price. And you can't expect wide receivers. You know, you see Chase Claypool making a big impact and Justin Jefferson too, but you can't necessarily rely on them changing the face of the offense. They have mismanaged the position for a while, and it's the position that we've been talking about being a problem for them for a long time. So it's not like this is a problem that was unforeseen. And to add to that, you're absolutely right. If you're going to rely on the on on the draft, like you you need some type of track record to think you you know how to find these wide receivers in the draft. And not just that, but their strategy in the draft. They took they they took Jalen Rager in the first round, and it's, it's too early to to uh, make a determination on Rager. But then they waited until the fifth and sixth round, basically gambling on the strength of the of the draft. And well, the fact they needed that they to needed make speed. sure they needed to make sure they needed they added instant impact like <laughs> Jalen Hurts and Davion Taylor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, to your point, there have been wide receivers taken uh, in the in the second round that they could have potentially traded up for. Okay. Uh, afterwards, I, that that uh, you know, when you're talking about the third round, or I I would need to go through the draft. I mean, I I know Devin Duvernay, he's playing in Baltimore. He didn't have a big game today. Uh, Brian, Edwards, I think he had a, a, a long rushing touchdown. Yeah, oh, he today. had a 42 yard run. I just pulled that up. Yeah, uh, two catches, 17 yards. I mean, Devin Duvernay tell Ah, so so my 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 point being that. That 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 what uh, I think Chase Pay I'm, I'm sorry Chase Claypool's success underscores the uh, the mismanagement at that position, and I, I was looking it up the Steelers the investment they make in the draft they've invested a pick in the first three rounds of the draft in six of the past seven years of wide That's receiver interesting. and then you you look who was on the field for them today. Whether it was now Deontay Johnson went out early with an injury, but J, but Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Chase Claypool, uh, and then and then Deontay Johnson, four receivers who were homegrown, who who they they took in the first two days of the draft, uh, and they've and they've developed them, and so I I just I think that uh, Travis Fulgham's success should not overshadow the mistake the Eagles made at that at this position this offseason. And I do think it's fair to say that there is, you know, there is probably some degree of blame that should go on player development mm-hmm. in as opposed to just identification. But I think I think in the NFL it's fair to say that um, the the percentages of that are weighted much higher towards identification than development. Un- unlike you know baseball, where where I think you can. Uh, say that it's much closer to 50-50. Yes, and if if you are not going to develop them, this was, and, and we've talked about this, this was a, a good year to go out and get one. There were there were two real good wide receivers on the trade market, there were some free agents, and uh, the Eagles did not do that. So, again, uh, Fulgham is a player, or he's, he's looked like a player, but that shouldn't overshadow the fact that it's it's week five of the of, of the season and for the second 
consecutive week, this is who they've started at wide receiver. Um, I have to interrupt here because we I got a few tweets about this, and I just need to say that, Zach, you did pick Chase Claypool third in your mock uh, post-combine draft on March 5th. So uh, you had him in a third I, 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 I picked him going to the Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 oh. I, I did like Chase Claypool coming out. Um, yeah. You actually wrote and, uh, a lot of, a lot of good stuff about him. <laughs> oh, um, thank you, Marissa. I appreciate you looking. <laughs> so really up. the tweet, the tweet wanted me to bash Bo for, <laughs> for not liking Claypool, but I did find mm, that you, well, that makes sense. you did mock him, um, your first pick in the third round. So. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I totally trashed the guy. No, you didn't. I think I had. I you know. Didn't. I looked up. I looked up my. Um, you didn't. I have it right here. I did here. look up my draft board. I had him as a the a third round pick, the highest yeah. of the third round wide receivers. But yeah, so I I'm partial to draft. Canadians. I had a. You both wrote that actually. <laughs> what well, then? I'm no, partial to Canadians. <laughs> no, you both put the Canadian part in there. Uh, <laughs> I think both said. That's funny. Both said. I mean, I was lower. I was lower on him than consensus for sure. Um, long-term upside to learn the game better because he's Canadian. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. But yeah, uh, I got a few yeah, tweets I mean, about I that. Was, so. I, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take the loss there for sure. He is not being used by the Steelers the way that he was used at Notre Dame. Um, I think he is, a, he is a better player now than he was in college. I know that that may sound like a cop-out, but he was, uh, he was not really used this way. Are you ripping on, on Brian Kelly right now? Well, you know, I definitely don't like Brian exactly. Kelly. Exactly. Yeah, that's my. Uh, but I also I like there is there is a team in the Steelers who you probably can say do do something with development at that position. Uh, you know, unlike unlike you know Denzel Mims going to the Jets, that's in like DOA. Yes, correct. Okay, that was a good drop in. Thank you, Marissa. Any more of those drop ins about uh, things that I'm right <laughs> on? Please do so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you're tired, and I just feel like I needed to give you that like little energy boost to keep you going. So thank you, that helps. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> what did Shiel say about him? Um, I didn't look up Shiel because you don't have to. Be you don't have him. to have it there. It's okay. Uh, okay. Is there anything else from this game specifically we should talk about, Zach? Do you think Zach Ertz is done? I don't think he looks he's as done, he looks as washed up to me as Jason Peters. You think he's washed up? I think he's totally done. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, look, this is I've I've never seen it like this, and I thought Doug Peterson had had an, he had an interesting comment today. I don't have the I don't have my transcript in in front of me, but when, but when he was asked about Ertz, he said something about Ertz having to take off hard look at things or something like that uh, do mm. i have that correct let me see i'll find it yeah i mean it was i thought he said we have to take a hard look at things but he I said he and then he said we as well i i should have come more prepared for this earth's discussion i have That's the steelers right. transcript in front of me here and yes yeah, so he said you got it yes i think it's something he's got to look at himself as we all do and we just got to keep working and fighting. And we got to, as coaches, find ways to get him un- uncovered so we can use him a little bit more. But I, I thought the it's something, too, I think he's got to look at himself. I, I thought that was an interesting comment mm, from Ben Peterson. Well, we know, you know he doesn't think he's captain material. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I mean well, listen, that, that's a problem. Like, if 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 Zach Ertz has only only given you uh, you know single digit receiving yards back to back games, it's tough for this offense to work. You're absolutely right, and you know he had what four catches for nine yards last week. Uh, this is a bad stretch for him, and it came after he played well in that Cincinnati game, and he had a real good um, second yeah, half. He played overtime. he played fine in that Cincinnati game. You know he's still not he's still not really bringing that much juice to the team. No, but if you're getting seven catches for seventy yards, I mean I think that's I yeah, think you would I don't take know. that. That's, that's like volume for volume's sake. But there were some big plays in there too. Okay, that's fair. But outside of that, I mean, after the first quarter of the Washington game, he struggled. Uh, the Rams game didn't do much. And then these past two weeks, this is probably the worst stretch he's had. And I, I, I can't remember how long. So clearly, it, it, it can't all be defensive attention because other guys get it's defensive not. attention too. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. what defense is, is putting attention on him right now? Well, it is true that, and Joe Hayden was talking about this too. I I think I saw Joe Hayden's comment that, like, the opposing defenses are focusing on him because the Eagles really don't have those guys on on the outside. I think it was Joe Hayden who said that, and Zach Ertz said that in in in, in a comment that he's either seeing doubles or he's seeing the team's top two to or he's seeing the team's top cornerback. Uh, uh, nonetheless, I don't think that that's true. The Eagles need to find ways to scheme him open, and Zach Ertz needs to get open. Yeah. Uh, okay. What else? Anything else you're worried about? I mean, you feel you got to feel pretty good about this Eagles team. They're going to go win the <laughs> NFC East with six wins. <laughs> There's, you know, the, the interest is going to remain. Next week, I think, is going to be rough. I think there is, um, I think you can say that one silver lining to it, even if, uh, even if you don't think it's in their best interests to win this division, is that. Uh, the division being as bad as it is and them remaining in contention probably helps ward off the possibility of like a true locker room disaster. I would agree. What'd you think of the? What'd you think of uh, there was a, there was a look of Jalen Hurts on the sideline after he you know came in and had his one completion to uh, to Dick Rod, where it was like you can tell that that he wants to be on the field. Like he's not super happy with his little. With his little uh, sideshow role, I mean, what's the alternative? Like, should should he be the quarterback here? I I don't I don't think so. No, but I think yeah. he thinks he should be. Well, well, that's the bed they made, and it and it's a bad one. Uh, well, that is the bed yes. they made. It's it's such a it's such a weird situation, and I think there's a I mean there's there's a there's a good chance. That at some point this season, you know, he's not going to be the only one in the locker room who thinks he should be playing quarterback. Well, but but I I do think when you look around the division, it, it shows. I mean, not that we needed proof of this, but you know, the, uh, the uh, obviously the, the Cowboys are under their backup. Washington made a quarterback change, but then they were onto their backup again today. Uh, so so there 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 might be a, a a time, and we've seen it obviously covering the Eagles. When they need to turn the Jalen Hurts, but I I don't know how much these Jalen Hurts packages really give you. Well, I liked you know I liked getting him finally throwing, throwing the ball. ball. That I think that helps grow that package. But that was the only snap he took today, so it's not like you're. It's not like the defense went scrambling. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, why don't you uh, why don't you set us up for what we got coming this week? So we have Doug Peterson tomorrow, presumably after he will watch the film and give us an explanation. But uh, I'm I'm real curious to hear if there's a Darius Slay up update from Doug. And then Tuesday, I think this Jim Schwartz press conference is is, is going to be it's going to be very much anticipated. What do you expect Jim Schwartz to say? I think he's going to say that play was on me. Uh, you know, I had I called it, I called it bad coverage. Okay, that's on me. I put the players in a bad position. And then we. What do you think he's going to say? Yeah, I, I would say probably the same thing, but that that there's a lot to it. It's not on Nate Gary. You know, it's on me. It's not on Nate. That 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 kind of thing. And and again, look if if your plan is to have Nate Gary on Chase Claypool. The problem is the plan, not the linebacker, in my opinion. Of course. You know? yeah, of course. So I understand that 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 Nate Gary has become a punching bag for Eagles fans, but I don't think that play should be illustrative of should Yeah, should I don't think anybody's that. I don't think anybody's blaming Nate Gary for that play. Yeah. It it's it's more why is Nate Gary in coverage there. Right. Uh, and then yeah, and and then attention sh- uh, sh- it, it's going to shift to the Ravens. So it's going to be a real tough game. Have, have you seen the early line? I, I know you always put that in your day after. I game. haven't. I haven't looked at it yet. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious what what that line will be. Obviously. What do, you, what do you think it is? My guess is Ravens by five. By five? No that, way. Too low? Way too low. Are you kidding? I mean, I'm, I'm, I think it, I'm giving I think the Eagles a little favored, home field I think they're going to be favored by like 11 points. It's my guess. You think eleven it's... points? Wow. Okay. Yeah. I see one early line I mean, here. Like, yeah. Um that says seven and a half. Okay. But but Yeah, I see seven and a half too. Okay. So that well, and I mean that is that is pound oh no, this is not that I don't that hold on. Let me pull it up again. I have a different one. I see yeah, seven and a half. That's pound the Ravens. That's not even close. <laughs> and, and that's that's like put the mortgage on it. I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, don't actually put the mortgage on it. But, but then, uh, uh, but, put all your confidence points on yeah. it if you're doing, you know, a pool. But then the other thing too that I I, I think is important. Seven and a half. What 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 are these line, lo, odds makers watching? Yeah. So that's a that's a crazy line. I I I would say too. This is also a big Alshon Jeffrey week. Because if Alshon's not out there next week against Baltimore, then I think it's fair to say that this was not managed well. I understand he's been back at practice, and you wanted him to get back at practice, and there's more roster flexibility with the practice squad. Uh, I do think that that matters, and you know I'm happy to kill them for this, but I it, I don't think that it has really come back to bite them. But Noah Tonkey, um, I could, could be on 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 your roster right now. You know, or, sure he could be, but they could have they could have you know whacked Alex Singleton for that okay. too, and then brought sure. him back like you know on Tuesday. Um, I think I think that the roster flexibility provided by the short term IR and the practice squad has made this not a terrible decision. Okay. Um, and they, you know, there is a difference between him getting to practice. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was maybe the right upside bet to make, but the same at the same time, like they had more information about the injury than we did. Mm-hmm. And if he's not physically ready to play now, then they were then they they were wrong. Mm-hmm. Like they made the wrong bet. Yeah, well said. And and, and then we need to see if the, if the Sean's back too. I mean, they, this is just well. Let's say they both come back next week. 
How do you line up in 11 personnel? In 11 personnel. I would go Fulgham and Deshaun with Ward on with Ward inside, and then I mix Alshon in slowly. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Fulgham's got to be on the field, no doubt. Yes. I would agree with that. Well, you think you think they cut JJ? How about how funny that play was? His thirty yard, thirty seven yard reception at the end of the first he half. He gets up, up and celebrates. <laughs> they got to get the ball. Yeah, what are you doing, JJ? Yeah, and that poor guy. And and you said this earlier. Just on that drive, such bad situational awareness from John Hightower. That but, was really bad. Uh, the JJ play, like I I don't know what else he could do. Um, yeah, I mean, they weren't going. Yeah. It was funny that he celebrated exactly. because he didn't have time to celebrate, but they weren't going to get that playoff. Exactly. Um, but that was a bad that was a bad drive that did come back to bite them, I think. They needed they needed points there. You're absolutely right. What did you think of uh, – did we talk about this on, on the podcast or was this on the, on the phone when we spoke earlier? Doug was feisty, I thought, or – Mm, yeah, we didn't talk about it on the pod. I don't think. Yeah, I, I found he's been pretty combative post game. Like that. I think I think part of it is um, he probably doesn't love the you know the whole like he, they just lost a game. Then he's got to stand up in front of an empty room and do this Zoom press conference with sort of a you know choppy reception. It can't be fun. But he's been a little bit more combative than he needs to be. I would say. Yeah, I, I, I found that too, and I, I, I think I've, I think when you lose a game, own it. Uh, this I need to look at the at the tape thing. I think sometimes that holds up. I think other times it's just it's it's just a bad excuse. Uh, and so so so, so anyways, I, I I found Doug to be a, a little short, and and look, he's he's upset after a loss. I'm all for vertically challenged. No, he's not vertically challenged. I'm vertically challenged. Uh, he was short in his answers, but uh, I I I like emotion. I like raw emotion. Um, I just thought that uh, Doug could have offered a little more explanation. In, I like pan fried emotion. You like what emotion? Pan fried instead of raw. Instead of raw. Okay. Yeah. A little olive oil on there. You know, get a nice good crisp. I'll sell that. That's the kind yeah. of emotion I like. It's a good joke. That's not that's not true. All right. Uh yeah, I do think he's been he's been a bit odd or off rather, but he's he's been sort of like that all year long. Even in even during the week, don't you think? I do. I think he's feeling the pressure. Maybe so. Now now Marissa, I need to tell you something. Uh hmm. I don't know if, if, if you see this or not, Marissa, in our um in our cheat sheet, which is like our, mm, our I was just gonna bring this up. Our game preview. Uh, we have bird lines, okay? And Bo came up with the bird lines this week. And one of the bird lines was Miles Sanders' yards from scrimmage versus the length in minutes of the postgame pod. And the problem here is that <laughs> Bo controls essentially right. the length of this postgame pod. So, so you want to know what we're at right now? Is that what you're asking me? No, I, I, I mean, I, I see. We're uh, at about 63. Yeah, so I, I, I can yep. see the clock on, on my computer screen, 1045. And every time I, I feel like there's this natural transition mm. to close this, I just hear Bo saying, so what else? And Miles Sanders finished with 99 <laughs> yards from scrimmage. So we've got about 35 minutes to go on this bad boy. Have you ever been in a phone conversation with someone who, who like does not I mean, we didn't even bring phone? up the fact that the fact that, you know, the NFL changed like 12 games today. 
and that was just like slyly mm. as all the games started they're like hey you know what we're gonna flip the schedule upside down <laughs> so i mean if, if you want to talk about something you could get into well, that that's true um, we could be here all, all night for that one. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, if there was anybody who's been who's been calling the NFL morons for sticking, trying to pretend like this schedule is gonna uh, gonna work, you know, since May, I'm your man. But <laughs> yep. I think I think I am Hashtag going to take my the loss Titans, on this man. They're screwing everything up. <laughs> your Titans, you you had it scouted. Yep. They deserve to be, to yep. forfeit. Yeah, I mean, although it, I... it's ridic- it is ridiculous the NFL that they didn't. Uh, front load flexibility into the schedule. Yeah, I, the fact that they're just moving games around willy nilly and pretending like that's going to be fine is is just insane. And but and also like, uh, the, you know they show that they show the the Dak going down and it, and it's like he's emotional. And then they they go to the stands and there's twenty five thousand people there yelling in each other's faces like not from from like three feet away. What are we doing here as a country as a league? It's insane. Yeah, I, I will not I op- defend that. I opened it. <laughs> I will not defend that. I mean, that, that, I, I think I, I, spoke, I, I was speaking to Bo uh, in Eagles press box week week two or week three where we were talking about college football, and I'm like, I was watching the SEC, and it's like, it's just a, it, it's, it's a different, it's, it's just a different world than what we're living in up here in the Northeast. Um Nonetheless, well, Eagles uh, are probably going to have fans next week. Uh, so, I, I I would agree with you, and I think I said this on our schedule pod that the NFL uh, it, it would have behooved them to put in an, an extra bye week for teams, um, just to have that yeah, type build, of flexibility. They could have built in two bye weeks, yeah, so, at least. Yeah, so, like in the, the first half, the first eight games, they could have had a bye week scheduled within there, right? A universal bye week scheduled that, in the yeah. second half. Yeah, right. And if you needed to use it, you used it. But exactly. It's ridiculous. They they're so stubborn, and and you know what though? They're probably they're probably looking at this like it's great for business because there's going to be so much extra coverage about uh, what the schedule is going to look like. Oh, like we get this we get this extra little well. Thing I, about I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm going to push back on 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 that bow. Like, I think the NFL has been very. Um, mm, I feel like I'm ready to pounce here. No, well, like there are college <laughs> games. That are going on when like a, a team's missing fifteen players, right? Well, yeah, but like just that. because just because the people running college football all deserve to be in jail doesn't mean that the <laughs> NFL right, well, hasn't bungled this. My, no, my my point is, is I, I I think the NFL has been uh, like on top of this in in that. I don't think so. Okay, all right. Uh, it's it's ten forty eight. We don't need to. They let the Patriots play last week. I'm sorry, Zach. Like, this is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> they I'm put them all on the, a plane. What, it's the over, right? The over. <laughs> Bo picked the over. Yeah. I, I, I picked the under. It's we're yeah, still so. we're still a night, another twenty plus minutes away from hitting that. So I think you're, I think you're, all, I think you're okay. But you did get me started. Sorry. Can you get me started? That's what that's what Casey says sometimes. Can you get me started? It's like the one thing he has a weird Boston accent for. <laughs> so we will be back Wednesday night. For with uh, with so shield against shield review, out, yeah, I'm closing this out. <laughs> with shield against shield's review, and uh, we'll get the squall twenty two. Yeah, we'll get the bird on the street. Maybe a couple birds in edgewise. Yeah, well, lots of good stuff. I guess we'll have a little bit more clarity on the Dak Prescott situation, but 
you know, you don't want to you don't want to say guys are uh, guys getting injured is good for anybody, but certainly the Eagles' odds of winning the division improved today despite losing. Fair to say, Zach. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to... Oh, is there a good story you'd like to tell uh, us? Yeah. Is oh, there... I, I, I don't want to handicap the Eagles' chances based on someone else having a gruesome injury. But Can you it... give us the, like, uh, you're putting Reed to bed, the story of the day? Uh, Well, well, tonight I did not put him to bed uh, because I, I was just, I was writing. But uh, mm. there's been some good stories in, in the past few days that we can talk about at another time. <laughs> Do you have, like, a, are there, like, are you creating new characters? No, it's it's based on whatever happens in his day. You're recapping what so, you've done that day. Or or what's coming up. So oh, okay. if if we're going to walk, if we're taking a walk to school the next day, you know, like like something comes out on this block and um or the or the red car, things like that. Anyways, we really don't need to go down this path, but I think it's fun. I think the listeners like it. You know, they're probably listening to this. They'd like a bedtime story too. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. We're going to just keep things rolling here. You don't have to listen, but we're going to just have 25 minutes of silence backloaded onto this episode uh, so that I can win that bird line. But, yeah, you can stop listening. The Eagles fall to 1-3-1 and in a 38-29 to loss to the Steelers. We'll be back on Wednesday, as Zach said. Stay tuned to The Athletic for our coverage of the game our back and forth following doug peterson's press conference on monday all kinds of good stuff and of course you can subscribe for just a dollar a month at theathletic.com slash birds with friends make sure you are subscribing to our youtube channel and leaving reviews on apple podcasts all that good stuff and for zach and shield and marissa i'm Bo. thanks for listening and as always we love you